Hey guys and gals, welcome back to another episode of the Constructive Liberty Podcast, Intentionally Designing a Lifestyle of Freedom. Today I've got, going to be a fun topic today because we're talking about annoying people and not as in how we annoy people, but as in how to deal with annoying people. I have Eileen Marcus, the founder of Ladderism with me today. We're talking about managing yourself to better manage others, you know, those annoying people that we talked about. Basically, putting your priorities in order and bringing others along instead of being captive to other people's needs. Eileen Marcus is someone who holds the ladder for executives moving up, moving down, or barely hanging on. And we've all been there, even if we're not executives of massive companies, we've all been there where we're either moving up, moving down. So often it seems like we're just barely hanging on by a thread. But she has over 32 years of experience spearheading high-stakes teams at multi-million dollar organizations, managing over 10,000 employees. She's the author of the book, Managing Annoying People. I think I should have bought that book. I didn't even know it existed until today. So I need to go buy it because you know I, I face annoying people. As a Techstars global facilitator, she travels the country mentoring entrepreneurs to start and scale companies. She earned both her MSW and MPA from Columbia University. Now she creates funny videos and writes helpful articles for anyone climbing in or out of careers, professional life, helping people earn more money. Eileen, welcome to the podcast. So glad to be here, Ken. So glad. Give us a little bit of your background. Not so much what I just read, but... How did you go from young Eileen, growing up, mom and dad, what kind of experiences led you to Ladderism, the company that you're running today? Well, I've always been running from something. So, you know, I finally figured out if you put a ladder, you might get higher up and get or, or, or lower down when you need it. But, you know, I grew up in the suburbs in the 1960s and 70s, and everybody was recovering from something, right? So it was the war. My Both my families had been, um, you know, uh, some survived in the concentration camps, some mm. escaped the war. So they had like that, you know, uh, uh, generational trauma going on. And then they lived through the depression. So that scarcity. So I grew up in a house, you know, where my father was always angry. You know, my mother was always a follower and my sisters were always a complainer. So to my father's anger, I became always happy. You know, it's like I became the opposite to my mother, yeah. always a follower. I became a leader. Let's get this done. Let's do this. And to my sisters, always complaining, I became a doer. Just get it done. Shut up and get it done. So that really founded me. But in those days, they call me a bully. They call me controlling. You know, they'd say I had to be the boss of them. And they said it like it was a bad thing. And if they had maybe said, oh, you're an entrepreneur, you're a leader, you're a manager, my life might have been different. But right? Until, I realized, right? until I realized that those skills were actually marketable and highly, highly desirable in someone that, you know, can put the pedal to the metal and see all aspects of operations and know how to, you know, really come to completion. That, that's how I got there. I, I found I'm, I'm very gifted in finding workarounds. Who doesn't love a workaround, right? You're part carpenter, right? So, you know, there's always a field condition, always a workaround. Yep, always. <laughs> and the workaround in my house was I found the community. 
I didn't have to be home for dinner because if I went to the Girl Scouts, you know, there was a meeting there. If I did something at the temple, if I was on the swim team, if I babysat. So I looked outside of the house to find value because I wasn't valued in my house. So I always got well fed. I didn't have to be home. And what do you know? I learned a lot of stuff and met a lot of people and really learned how to engage in groups um, in, in that way. So that's what led me to what I do. That's awesome. It's I, I love it when people can recognize that the things that they experienced or the like like you said you became what you needed in the situation and and you helped people overcome it. I love when people can connect that to their career. Like it, it's their natural talents, their natural gifts and they learn how to tap into that for their career. So often kids, and and I don't want to go off on a huge rabbit hole about schooling and education and all of that, but it's like we don't train kids how to use their natural gifts. It's here's a box. We take this unique kid and we shove them into the box and they come out of school and never get into something that really fits how they were designed. And so I love that you, you saw that and created your own thing in that. Has, has that been super challenging for you or like what's what's your thoughts around that? Well, you know, I think that at first it was just those hard skills, right? And then I realized they were marketable and I can make money. And it's, you know, I was always a little outrageous, a little too out there, always would say a little too much. It wasn't until (laughs) I really found my people that said, I want more of you, like a chocolate cake. You know, you're not too much. You know, my whole life, especially at home, it was you're too loud, you're too this, don't show, you know, especially growing up with that generational trauma of war and famine, you know, like, you know, fly under the radar, don't show your feelings, you know, never show who you are. So it's definitely been a a growth process to really lean into, oh, I don't have to be buttoned down, I don't have to be corporate, I can be outrageous, I can use my voice, I can give crazy examples, I can do it my way. And that is really accelerating with ladderism. Yeah, for sure. When when you can find your own voice and be unique, then it it does it helps you take off. I mean, it it really, you know, people connect better because you're authentic. Yeah. And I, I think the the authenticity thing is a little overdone today. Every seems like everything that comes out, you know, people discover something and some some people are going to take it way far to the opposite extreme. It's like the seesaw effect. But you can find that good balance there but i think we do need that authenticity i keep going off on rabbit trails sorry about that (laughs) rabbit hole is my middle name but i want that that authenticity because i think it's important because i think what distinguishes me is yeah everybody tells you be authentic i agree with you so overused what the problem is, is how do we get there? What are the day-to-day actions? What do I actually do when I hit that rabbit hole, when I hit the wall, when I hit a field condition? Everybody tells you, go lead your authentic life, be this, practice this. But no one says, oh my God, in that moment, how do I get out of this? Keeping my composure, my grace, you know, and right. my- together without killing myself. And I say killing, you know, in a, in a, you know, gentle fashion, you know, without killing myself for someone else. Right. So that's really what the um, finding your freedom is about and finding that path. Yeah, sure. I love it. I love it. Your book, Managing Annoying People. I love the title. Where did, where did that come from? 
<laughs> well, I was coaching CEOs. I was doing a lot of work. And every day they would say the same things to me. This staff person is driving me crazy. This person's sucking my time. I hate when I have to meet with this one. And little by little, you know, I'd watch them and I'd watch them meet with this one. And I'd go into their meetings and I decided it wasn't really their team. It was them. They were setting mm-hmm. the tone. You know, they were bringing something like emotions that even if they showed up bright eyed and bushy tailed, people could tell they were angry underneath or they were irritated or they didn't like the way somebody was doing something, but they weren't talking about it. They were trying to be, you know, really buttoned down. And I would constantly be telling them, it's the way you approach your team. You're the one rolling your eyes. You're the one setting the tone. You're the one making them think that they have to give you the work this way. And, um, you know, I, I had one particularly rough week and I sat down and like wrote the book to, to give to <laughs> someone instead of like, you know, I couldn't say it again. Right. So I like wrote it down and next time, oh, what I'm like, here, read it at night. Remember it, you know? Yeah. That's how it started. It started as a way to tell my clients, we've gone over this 20 times. I've done what I can do for you. Now, if you can't stop managing, if you can't start managing your own behavior, you're never going to get control of your team and you're never going to reach your outcomes. So that's how the book came about from people who were, you know, not managing well, but thought they were because they were the leader. They were the CEO. They had the certificate. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It reminds me of a quote that I heard recently and to paraphrase it, if everybody you meet in a day is annoying, you're probably the annoying one. <laughs> like I always say, one person, okay, two, look in the mirror. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So what's the probability in a given day that somebody will annoy us and, and you know, we, instead of intentionally acting in a way to manage that, that we just react in a negative way? What's The what probability is 100%. And anyone who tells you different is lying. Something is going to get you upset, right? Someone put the gas pump back wrong. The woman in front of you didn't turn her blinker on. You know, the woman or whoever's in the car in front of you didn't turn her blinker on. Someone didn't follow through on something. Something is going to annoy you. It's the level at which that irritation occurs and then how you respond. Because annoyance is a physical state like anger, you know, sadness, you know, your your, uh, amygdala, your brain gets triggered your breathing increases, your pupils dilate, you start to look crazy, you know, your heart rate goes up, you're sweating. And so you really are in a fight or flight response. And that's what triggers your reactions instead of your purposeful actions. So you Mm. are going to get annoyed. So it's about learning to feel, wait, those triggers, you know, we all kind of have to learn, wait, why am I acting this way? I'm hungry. You know, I'm this, I'm that. Wait, annoying is a real thing. It's not like, oh, that's just annoying. How does that translate to me and then what do i yeah. so you mentioned some of the physical signs of of the annoyance are, are there more like how can we actually recognize when yeah. we're annoyed because you know i never really thought of it as a as an actual thing like anger or sadness or annoyance you know we, we tend to for some reason separate that in and put that on other people they annoyed me rather than as to how i feel How can we recognize that and actually deal with that in the moment? And what does it look like when we react consciously or act consciously to deal with that versus just reacting? How how can we go about that? 
Yeah, and I love that you picked up on that because that's really, you know, the whole game. Like, it's not the other people. It's me. I'm letting them push my buttons, right? The old thing, if someone's pushing your buttons, don't push back. Move your buttons, right? Or right. if I'm pointing the finger at you, I got three pointing back at me, you know? Like we said, look in the mirror if you're meeting, you know, a few annoying people. So the first thing that happens is, you know, your blood flows and your muscles react. Now, it's important to realize why someone might annoy you. There are usually, I say, three triggers, right? There's reminders, mirrors, and behaviors. So a behavior can be someone's eating their cereal loud, they're putting dirt through the carpet, you know, something they're doing at that moment is really getting under your skin because you know you're going to have to clean it, you know it's a problem or whatever. So there are behaviors. There are um, reminders. They remind you of an aunt or uncle or a best friend that drove you crazy or a teacher that talked real slow and <laughs> talking. You want to, you know, you, you're like, like this. <laughs> the one that comes up the most that people are hesitant to own are reminders. You see something in you in them that remind you of you and it irritates you because they're, you know, maybe they're taking the best piece of chicken. Maybe they're sitting in the front row. Maybe they have, you know, they said the thing you thought was stupid to say and the boss loved it. So it's those reminders that start to get you irritated and you can feel it. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a little more subtle than anger, but you know, your blood flows and your muscles start getting pumped. After that, your lymphatic system gets involved and, you know, you start to, your heart rate goes up, your blood, your breathing increases. So there are actual physical symptoms. So the first one is like that lizard response, right? You're going to jump. The second one is, you know, you're starting to actually look a little crazy physically and feel it. The adrenaline is going. And then that actually affects up here, your rational thinking and your problem solving. So hmm. when you're in that state, slow down, I call it start stopping, right? Instead of like, just, you know, like, you know, I, I, you know, I might be, you know, I might've been grown up in the suburbs, but I am a gunslinger. You know, I shoot from my hip, <laughs> both, both guns loaded every time. Yeah. Start stopping. You know, it's never a good day to go on a diet, to do something different, you know, to not, you know, to, to start an exercise routine. So when you feel that, like, you know, I got to say this, I got to say this now, Start stopping. Zip that lip, you know, that simple. Um, write down what you mean to say, you know, and start to think about like, what, why, why am I so pissed off? But really, it, it is about being in that moment and feeling, you know, I always say like, when you have that urgent need to speak, that's a pretty good clue. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, often when we're annoyed, we, we feel the urge to suppress it, or at least I do. Maybe, maybe some people don't like, there are people that just spit out whatever comes into their mind. It just, as it flows through their brain, it flows out of their mouth. But a lot of us, you know, certain things we think we need to suppress it. Are there negative, uh, what's, what's the negative side of suppressing it and not dealing with it in the right way? And how is the right way to deal with that without lashing out 
speak to that a little bit. Yeah, well, that's a great question because, you know, I think we all learned during COVID that most things are cumulative, right? Loneliness, anger, everything, you know, um, it, it, the more, you know, you say, oh, this doesn't matter or that doesn't matter, but it adds on and it, 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 it accumulates. And annoyance mm. is like that. Exactly. You know, we think it's a low temperature. I can laugh it off. I could do something, but it really does take a toll on you. And, you know, a lot of people talk about how you show up at work and keep your eyes open and your energy. But this is a lot deeper. This is kind of like back to even though that authenticity is overused, people can really sense when you are not happy with them. And you think you are showing up like so willing and such a team player and no one knows. But, you know, just like a dog knows who to stay away from, you know, even people that are annoying you kind of have that um that that you know that insight that wait wait this person is off today or this person is acting to acting different to me yeah so you know I say there are basically you know three things you can do the first thing is to um I call it to right size the situation I call it to Goldilocks the situation you know so like remember Goldilocks right she oh yeah lost in the woods was it too hot too cold just right was the bed too hot too cold just right so you know am i blowing this out of proportion is it a little thing is it is it someone who like you know interrupted me at a meeting or is it someone who took my idea and called it their own and gave it to the boss like how big is the situation and often when we are annoyed the thing we forget about Goldilocks is she was trespassing. She was not in her own house. Do you yeah. belong in that territory? Is this yours to worry about? So Goldilocks is not just about perspective and right sizing it. It's about should I even be thinking about that? Right? Like, mm. you know. Right. So like I go to someone's house for dinner and they haven't boiled the pasta yet. And I'm like, what time are we going to be eating? And I'm getting all annoyed that I showed up on time. Right. And they haven't. But how do I know? Maybe they have it in the oven. Maybe it's somewhere else. Like it's not mine to worry about what time they're putting I mean, the dinner out when they invited me over. <laughs> so exactly. Trespassing. The second one is to identify your BS, your blind spots. I know you thought I was going to say something else. <laughs> kind of Good the, one. <laughs> they're kind of the same thing, right? You know, I drive a very high-tech car, but there's still a blind spot. There's something I can't see. And think about that in you. Like, we talked about this before. I am really enthusiastic because I grew up in a house full of depressed people who showing up like this and never. So I'm like, oh, let's go. We're da, da, da. And some people, that can really piss off. It really makes them annoyed. So even though I think breezing into the office, the meeting, the party. Oh, I'm here now. Let's begin. Some people, you know, especially in office when I used to roll in late, you know, people would react to that in a negative right. way. That was a blind spot for me. I had to see that, you know, maybe I'm always, um, I had one guy who he always brings like a stack of files to every meeting. And the rest of the team was just like, oh, here's, you know, call him John. Here's John with his files again. You know, like, <laughs> like, oh, I'm prepared. I have everything. Look at me. And everybody else was like, oh, he's going to ask the same question to give the same charts. Right. So what's your blind spot? What aren't you seeing about how other 
others are reacting. And then the final one is really, you know, let it go before you start stopping. Like it's not your only bite at the apple, right? Just because something happened today, this one situation doesn't define you. And if it does define you, you got much bigger problems. Call me immediately, but you have much bigger problems, you know, than you think. But this one situation, if it doesn't work out in your favor or someone, you know, uh, gets you upset, if you keep your mouth shut and start stopping today, you are going to be in a much better situation down the road than if Mm. you that big mouth like I, or, you know, say something under your breath, which was my signature move. (laughs) (laughs) And and everybody hears it, but yeah. Oh yeah. They heard it under my breath. (laughs) Uh, You mentioned something earlier that, or or you alluded to the fact that when, when we come across those annoying people, it's often us. Or you, you said, if it's one person, fine. If it's two, probably should start looking in the mirror. How do we really know when it actually is us versus when it's the other person and, you know, they're actually doing something that you should legitimately be annoyed at? What What's the difference there? How do you recognize that? You know, this is one that if you had asked me, we were joking, Ken and I, before the show, because I sent in two forms, right? You know, (laughs) this is one that might have been different on my two forms, because if you had asked me this six months ago, right, and I've been talking about this now for seven years, I would have said, oh, you have to really look at the situation and look at the data. I, I don't subscribe to that anymore. It is always you. It is always you. The responsibility, they might be crazy. They might be insane. They might be doing something illegal. Then it's you. If they're doing something illegal, you need to call the police. If they're doing something inappropriate, you need to report them. If they're doing something stupid, you need to walk away. It's always you, right? Because it's staying in that situation and watching them and not doing anything that gets us more and more revved up. So even if, oh my God, I can't believe that guy, you know, I don't know what he did. He put his, whatever. He did something that could, you know, do public harm. He tied his bike to the bus so he could get on and the bus is falling off. You report it or you get off the bus. So it does impact you and it is annoying, but it's going to haunt you and not follow you as long if you actually take an action that serves you and puts you in a better place. This is a place to be selfish because if you're not selfish, you know, another very overused, overutilized I can't even say that word. Colloquialism. <laughs> yeah. I think. Your oxygen mask on first. You right. Know, you take care of you and get yourself out of the situation. Remove yourself. Right size it. Figure out what you are. Figure out, did they cross a line? You know, if it's a workplace, do I need to go to the boss? Is it a manager? Is it a whistleblower thing? You know, really do I really, am I embarrassed? You know, if someone looking in at me, would they say, oh my God, she was crazy. She overreacted or he overreacted. But if that's not the situation, you know, you've got to take care of you first. Yeah, for sure. For sure. My wife and I have had this conversation quite often over the last couple of months of how you know, there's, there are definitely people that annoy us or make us angry or, or do these things. And it's not that they're doing the thing to us. Their action exists in a vacuum, essentially, mm-hmm. as to how we should relate and react to it. How our initial, you know, maybe first reaction is involuntary, but how we follow up and follow through on that is always our choice, you know, because after that initial couple of seconds, you can regain control over yourself. You can stop, take a couple of deep breaths, zip the lip, like you said earlier, and choose how we want to proceed. I had somebody say recently, you know, 
think about how you want to show up in that situation. Like, okay, so this person is screaming at me in my face. Like, okay, step back and say, wow, this is interesting. What brought this on? How do I want to respond to this? Like what's, what's going on here? And, and really, uh, think about your, what your body's doing, what it's telling you, like, look at the situation from a bird's eye view. And how do I want to, to resolve this? What's the outcome that would be beneficial here? Yeah. Think, think about it that way. It's yeah. super, super helpful. Yeah. I love that. One of my catchphrases is your reactions speak louder than your actions. And that's what you're saying because we plan our actions. Our reactions are in the moment. And I always tell my clients, you know, especially if it's a, you know, someone in, in a big, um, you know, organization or something, you know, with a lot of liability, everyone has a phone. Everyone can record you. How are you going to feel when you see yourself? Never mind looking above. They can record that interaction. Is that is that the leader? Is that the person you want to yeah. be? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I imagine, you know, you spend a lot of time talking about dealing with annoying people. And it's often hard to take our own advice. <laughs> What's a situation where you have, you know, used your own advice and how did you resolve that? I have to tell you, Ken, there are so many situations, you know, up, up to this morning, probably. But I really, for me, you know, and one of the things I was going to tell you in those situations, when you have people, sometimes mother-in-laws or relatives or cousins or people that are really in your world, someone you sit on a committee with that you can't get get away from, I use the, the trick of um, three phrases, right? So I come up with a phrase like, that's interesting. So I no longer say like, what the F are you talking about? Or I don't get into that, right? Our narrative informs also some of our state. So I come up with, oh, that's interesting. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Oh, maybe I'll follow up, you know? So I have my three phases that when someone's off and running and I feel myself, I'm going to be off and running, right? It slips through my head or my, you know, oh, this is so annoying. You know, I say, that's interesting. You know, it's almost like you Southern guys, bless her heart. You know, like uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> I find my phrases and those really calm you down in that moment. You know, there are always times, especially if you deal with someone a lot that you have to say, listen, and, you know, we all know this, use the I statements. Um, but I use a line like this. Is that the way you, you talk to someone you value? Is that what we want to be talking about right now? And people mm. kind of caught back. And if you don't go down the rabbit hole with them, which was my usual thing, oh, you want to talk about that? I'll one up you. I'll one up you. So, you know, pretty much we're both really annoyed at each other. But, you know, it's that butterfly effect. If I act a little differently, if I stay calm, if I don't raise my voice, if I look at them in the eyes, if I touch them gently on the arm, they're going to vibrate a little differently and eventually everything changes. So, you know, it's really small, steady, little steps. But those three phrases, that's interesting. You don't say, I'm going to check that out. What a difference instead of, are you kidding me? You know, oh my God, why do I have to listen to this, right? So that changes everything. Hmm, I like that. It's that, that's interesting. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> no, that's, that's, right. That's fantastic advice. Like if you can stop, don't say what you really want to say. Because often, you know, for me, there's so many things that I might want to say that I just can't say anything. But to have those little phrases ready is super super helpful. Just something that you can pull out of your pocket like that. And, and make sure uh, they work for you. They're your vernacular, yeah. the way you speak. 
Right, right, for sure, for sure. Eileen, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been super helpful. Where can people find you and reach out to you, follow along what you've got going on, find your videos, and you know, if somebody's interested in some coaching from you, where where can they connect oh, with you? I would love it. I promise not to be annoying. So you can um, you know, find me at alignedworkplace.com, soon to be ladderism dot something. We don't know yet, but aligned workplace. But if you just, and you can try it now, type in managing annoying people. I pretty much pop right up. There's that face, Eileen Marcus. And um, you can put in Eileen Marcus, managing annoying people. You can find me on Amazon and um, you know, all roads lead back to my email and my cell phone. So I love to hear from people. Awesome. I've got uh, several links here for your, your social media accounts and EileenMarcus.com. I'll definitely drop those in the show notes. Anything you'd like to share before we wrap it up? I just want to remind everybody that you are too audacious to be annoyed. So, you know, clamp down on being annoyed and then follow your path. Follow, you know, what you want to be. Be be that audacious person. Lean into it and amplify it. Fantastic advice. Thank you so much for your time today, Eileen. Thank you. Have a great day, Ken.